Well, hello and welcome to the first episode of Ragged Sounds. Uh, my name is Josh Mandrala and thank you for tuning in to my little podcast today. This is kind of a second stage of something that I started doing on my YouTube channel and on Patreon that I really thought could use a little bit of evolving. I did this video essay on one of my favorite albums, A Black Mile to the Surface by Manchester Orchestra, and I sort of found it to just be a little bit too uh, like scholastic. So I decided that I would expand a little bit into talking about some of my favorite albums, but also talking about motifs that really interest me and then progressing into talking about things like gear as well, which uh, we all love, especially music gear. We love uh, getting stuff and talking about cool stuff. At least I do. Um, And truly, too, a lot of this comes from some of the struggles that I have with creating uh, quote-unquote content on all of these platforms because... I'm a musician and I love telling stories on these mediums, but I just kind of really hate this fast-paced 30-second content kind of world that we're in. I've got an album that's coming out in September that I'm really excited about and that I like creating, but I get so put down by this ultra short-form content creation needs, you know, like creating 14 of the same TikTok because it's, uh, it's just really, it's not who I am. It feels really disingenuous to me, and so my hope is that if I'm going to connect with an audience, uh, with with you, that it would be those who are interested in the same things, people who like this kind of music and these kind of ideas. So I'm just going to be as honest and authentic as I possibly can, and if uh, you don't like it, then uh, then don't listen. But if you do, thank you. I hope you enjoy this. Um, this is just a cool fun little thing that I'm trying out. So this first episode is a full version. So this is the completed podcast. And in the future, these public podcasts will be partial. You'll be still getting the gist of everything. But if you want these more sort of deep dives, that's going to be exclusively on Patreon. Not because I'm trying to keep things away, um, but just because it it helps me afford to keep making things like this, um, to keep making music, you know, producing an album is expensive and uh, this just helps me fund it. But hey, let's not let's not waste any more time and let's just dive into to what I have for us today. So I live in a city in southwest Colorado that is called Durango and I came here for college and I've I've stayed here ever since and it's beautiful and I love it here. But about four years ago now, two friends of mine, one of which is now my girlfriend of two years, we decided to drive to Denver to see the bands Switchfoot and Colony House in concert. And uh, due to work, we were actually going to have to leave late the night before and then drive back immediately after the concert the next day. Uh, So we really only slept there for one night. And I, I guess an important aspect of this story is that The drive from Durango to Denver and vice versa takes about five and a half to six hours. So the day, if you want to call it that, after this concert, we had to to drive home and we left at like midnight or 1 a.m. And then we actually got home at a little after 7 a.m. because there was a snowstorm on our way back, um, which I think I was half asleep through. um, But that was just a crazy drive. But anyway, when we drive there, we get to this concert 
and we shuffle our way up to the front and we're we're super stoked right we're about to see these two kind of alt rock surf rock bands that we just love and the lights go down and this guy walks on stage alone with an acoustic guitar so we're we're all a little bit surprised not because we have anything against acoustic shows or folk music or anything but because we're just like come on man like we're at a rock show what's going on and so this guy starts strumming a few chords, and I, I remember he had two capos on his guitar. He had one that was like a partial capo, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, but he's he's strumming this kind of folky pattern, and we're, we're all a little bit confused. There's some chuckling at this guy being the opener. But then I swear he opens his mouth and starts singing, and it was just like the air was sucked out of the whole venue. It just goes dead quiet. And he starts telling these intricate, beautifully descriptive stories in in the musical form. And nobody there wanted to speak. I think he just captured, he just utterly captured the whole room. I remember a lot of emotions coming out during these songs that he played, but particularly there was this song called Sunday Morning that really perfectly described the place that I was at within my faith at the time and kind of described a familiar journey. And I just remember uncontrollably starting to like tear up from the music that this one lonesome guy who minutes ago I'd kind of made fun of a little bit was playing. But that set was so inspiring because I realized that show and lights and virtuosity weren't necessary. That a good, like a really good and honest song could just suck the air out of the room. Now, the name of that artist was Tyson Motzenbacher, and I've continued to listen to him ever since then. And I think he's put out two albums since I've seen that show. And most recently is uh, this album called Milk Teeth. If you're watching this on video, I'm holding it up right now. It's got this really, really interesting, beautiful album cover. It's very dark, but I think it's like a it's like a perfect album cover because you look at it and it, it just kind of holds your eyes. It doesn't tell you exactly what you're supposed to be seeing in the music, but it gives you this, this vibe to the album. And uh, I think apparently my phone said this was my most listened to album of last year, but uh, truly who, who really cares. But I think that this is a, is a brilliant, brilliant album. And I think what's really special about it, especially for me, is that it sort of captured that initial experience that I had when I first saw him. This is one of those pieces that is quintessentially an album. And I think there's a lot of albums these days that would be better defined as compilations because they're a bunch of songs that sometimes have nothing to do with one another. You know, an artist wrote 10 songs, so they put out an album. And there's nothing wrong with that, but this this record you can tell is intentional regarding what songs are in it, and I think that's really special and kind of rare these days. Now, the reason that it captured that initial experience, which was weird for me because I had become a fan now, um, you know, before I didn't, I didn't know who he was. There was this initial point where I was like, what's happening? Like, why is this a thing? But now I was like, I know who you are. Like, I'm really excited to listen to this, but I, I didn't love this album on my first listen. Um, 
I remember listening to the first track, which is Oh No, and I thought that that was amazing. I was It's this really slow-burning song about panic attacks that has this huge breakdown in the end, and it, it actually musically feels kind of like a panic attack, and the lyrics are brilliant, and I was just like, wow, this is a killer way to start the album. But then the album goes right into these very upbeat, tongue-in-cheek songs that didn't really hit me emotionally as much as that first song did. And and maybe I'm a little bit of a masochist and I kind of like to have my feelings poked, but I remember being a little lost on these first few songs. And on my first listen, I just kind of let the rest of the album play out. The second time that I listened to it, though, I'm on this plane. I'm flying from Durango to Denver this time, and it's in October I'm actually going there to to get on another flight to go to Scotland with my dad. And I put the album on and I'm looking out the window at these mountains that are just red and yellow. You know, they're littered with fall colors. They're just mesmerizing from the plane. And I get through these first five songs on the album and then track six through 11 just capture me. I'm listening to these lyrics and these melodies that are so full of nostalgia that I feel like I'm listening to somebody's life as though it's a literal teaching. And over those last few songs, it just feels like it's leading me through a narrative about how we look at things that we love, how we look at time itself, how we look at our memories and our experiences. And I'm looking out the window of this airplane and the last song which is called Time is a One-Way Mirror, comes on. And I just feel like that rising choke in your throat, you know, like when uh, when you're eating like a salt and vinegar chip, or in this case, like when you feel like you're about to tear up. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I get it. So I go back, I listen to the album again. This time it's uh, on the next plane, right? And those first few songs now have become beloved. I'm listening to these stories of a character of these happy, jovial, or strange life memories. And the journey that it takes me on as a listener is almost showing me the contrast of our memories and experiences and how we interact with them. Taking it all the way through these questions about the promises we're made in our lives. And then I think that we're meant to see the whole album through the lens of this last song wherein at the very end he repeats these lines, one of them being time is a one-way mirror and the other being the things we love will take a piece of us away. There's also a lyric in that song where he says uh, he tore at his letterman cursing the world that has good things and bad things and good things we held too long. I remember that just permeated through me, this idea almost of how holding on to good things too long can make them stop being good, which I think ends up being like the very curse of nostalgia, which feels like a heavy theme on this album. So I recommend that if you give this album a listen, give it a few listens, let the record communicate to you what it is, and then listen to it through the story that it tells. So here is my short narrative summary of Milk Teeth by Tyson Motzenbacher. This is an album that knows its identity. It has moments that are tongue-in-cheek and moments that are deeply emotional. But the through narrative of this piece of art is thoroughly left to be discovered by the listener. 
But the record is very humble about this. It doesn't shout at you. It doesn't force you. It's nuanced, honest storytelling. I believe that you could put this on and just enjoy the listen. And you may not even notice it, but if you drop the needle on it and give it a few real intentional listens, this album may end up not only poking and prodding at your heart, but changing the way that you see your experiences, your memories, or even the world around you. Right, so that's that's my narrative thoughts on this album, but I also want to talk about its musicality because it's so freaking creative Um, And it's very simple. It's very accessible. But he does things in this with his instrumentation and especially his dynamics that really keep the ear engaged. The first song on the album, Oh No, has instrumentation that is barely audible at the beginning and slowly builds into this big guitar and drum crash that just hits you like a ton of bricks. There's a song, uh, track nine, which is called North Shore Party, that has everything from trumpets to glitchy synths to like little snippets in the background of flutes or palm muted guitars. It's just like a candy land of very unique and subtle sounds. And that's really the special thing musically about this is he has these very strong foundations. And like I said before, they're really accessible foundations. You could compare it to something like like Death Cab for Cutie's plans. You know, you could pick up a guitar or you could sit down at a piano and playing the foundations of these songs is super doable. It would probably only take you about 30 minutes to an hour to get it down. And sometimes we we see that as a bad sign for music, but I think it's so intentional to make a piece of art that people aren't distracted by the music and are actually just drawn into it. And so because of that strong foundation, when he does something that's different, when he changes something, when he adds like a little sneaky sound, it becomes very noticeable. So when you notice it, you almost get to feel proud of yourself for finding it. And then you start to listen more intently because you want to hear those little Easter eggs that are just littered throughout the tracks. So in a way, it's almost like a complex simplicity. All of these sounds, when you start to analyze it, makes you think and makes you realize that it took a ton of effort to figure out these different pieces and how they interact. But because of how well the core of the songs are written, you just get lost in them. It's it's not unlike walking through like a trail through the trees. You know, it's just a bunch of trees, but all of them have nuances and you're looking out for little things like a bird or a slightly different colored leaf and they don't throw off the experience. They heighten it. They're little pieces that you're excited to find. So Tyson Motzenbacher's Milk Teeth, this album, I highly recommend giving this album a few listens. My personal favorite tracks on it are Time is a One-Way Mirror, North Shore Party, and I think that Buyer Confidence um, has some of the most profoundly real and sad lyrics that I've heard in quite some time. Carlo Rossi is intensely clever, and Oh No is one of like the best opening tracks that I've heard in the past few years. I'm not sponsored. Let me just clarify that. Tyson Monsenbacher does not know that I'm doing this. I'm not getting paid to say this. I really just love this album and think that like everyone needs to listen to it. It is fantastic. So 
that's those are my thoughts on this this amazing album and we're going to we're going to move on to our next little segment here which is talking about a piece of gear that I'm kind of inspired to talk to because of this album. I don't know whether or not it was used in this album, but I think that it is a, a really fun effect. If you're not a guitarist or a musician or a gearhead whatsoever, then feel free to skip ahead a little bit. But I'm going to talk about chorus because on this album, there's a good bit of chorus effect that I can make out, and I'm not usually a big chorus fan myself for my own work, but this piece of gear particularly really inspires me, and that piece of gear is the Chase Bliss Audio Warped Vinyl. That's a guitar pedal. Uh, I actually have this one that I'm holding in my hand right now on loan from a friend of mine. I believe he has my Walrus Juliana as like collateral, but this is a modulation pedal that uh, kind of looks really complicated, but it actually just gives you a type of control over modulation that makes it so exciting for me. So the warped vinyl, and I'm going to try to not spend too much time on this and to describe it very well because you may not be watching this as a video. But the warped vinyl is a, a modulation effect. It's got a uh, tap tempo and a few special functions. Uh, and like all Chase Bliss stuff, it's fully MIDI automatable and you can do some really wild things if you lean into that side. But here's what I really love about it. It's this one function that's called mod shape. If you're watching the video, you can see right here. And this almost makes it behave a little bit like a delay. But the controls that there are on this effect are a, there's a depth and a warp. And then there are two switches that each have half of a waveform on them. And those are, are sine, saw, and square waves. And the way that it works is that the warp knob decides where the peak of your wave is. So I could have the beginning of my wave be longer than the end and vice versa. And then those two switches decide which kind of wave is on either side. And then depth is essentially how much of that effect is in it. So what's crazy is that this allows you to make these dynamic modulated sounds that can do something like have a long ramped sine wave and then like clip out as a square wave super fast at the end. You really can make any kind of modulated sound that you can imagine, and it's it's nuts. It's so cool. And you can tap tempo it in, or you can use an external input to tell it what tempo to play at. There's like limitless other functions here. And I actually use this pedal, uh, specifically this function, to make a really cool sound that's on my upcoming album. So just to give you an idea of kind of the sounds that you can come up with this, this is a, a snippet of the guitar in one of my songs. Once again, Chorus isn't usually my thing, but I just think that this is is so stinking cool. So it's totally worth picking up a warped vinyl, uh, like if you find it on Reverb and you find a great deal on it. And just to you know further elaborate, I'm not sponsored by Chase Bliss. They also don't know that I'm making this. I just truly think that their stuff is awesome, uh, and this has really been like 
This is the only chorus pedal that I've loved, that I've just wanted to use all the time. So props to them for making something that's really cool and accessible, but also just has an immense depth of, of use. That's just a, it's just a fun, inspiring songwriting toy. Which brings me to my last little bit on this episode, which is to kind of talk about musical creativity. I guess this is my musings today. And I wanted to pose a question for you to think about or to comment or just to discuss. So I mentioned at the beginning of this that I I really struggle with the short form 15 to 60 second musical, I, I guess, musings that we see a lot on social media and et cetera. But I feel a little bit lost in some of my thoughts on it. So I know I can be a, a little bit cynical and sometimes I see this stuff as like a demonstration of a loss of attention span within our general culture. But then, you know, I went to school for English and writing and I have a degree in it and I've written a few books and a large number of short stories. And one of the things that I find most interesting and beautiful about short stories is that they force you to creatively tell a piece of a whole narrative in such a way that your reader is captivated, that they understand the story and are able to see this highly flavorful point in a narrative rather than needing all of the surrounding parts. And we would sometimes talk about it in our classes, like it's throwing a dart onto a character's timeline and just telling that point's story. And when I think about that, I can see the appeal of these short songs or short pieces of songs as something that's similar. Like there's an art form to telling a very condensed story and still getting the message across. That you're still creating music and harmonic excitement that there's still lyrical expressions and feeling And sometimes I really do see this, but then other times I feel like I'm being given candy, like it's the same thing and it's bad for me and that like social media is just handing me a hundred spoonfuls of sugar that make me sick. And I'm sorry for continuously going down food metaphors, but I think that in terms of this hyper short form content, there are some that are like an hors d'oeuvre, you know, there are these potent present fate flavors that are really exciting and that took a lot of creativity to dive into. And then I feel like there are others that are more so there to just gain views and gain likes or to get circulated until they, you know, like being handed a bunch of spoonfuls of sugar make you sick. And then sometimes I fear that these kind of lead us to a songwriting laziness, which is, you know, write a really good hook or a really good chorus and then don't worry about the rest of the song because nobody's going to listen to it. They're just going to hear your your 15-second snippet. And then that could expand into, like, creating just a bunch of songs rather than creating a cohesive album or it leads people to treat a complete work of art as though it's just singles and then they end up missing out on something that's really pure and beautiful. Now, like I said, I don't think that there's necessarily something wrong with these things at all. There's a place for all of it. And however anybody wants to be creative, they should. You know, we miss out on real creativity because of fear of criticism or fear to just put something that we love out there and to let it go. So please do not let my pondering about this keep you from making short form content if you love to do it. You know, I try to do it as well. And 
I think that it's hard as hell to do. So if you're able to produce quality, creative, short form stuff that, um, encapsulates people, then well done. But I just wanted to ask anybody who's listening, like, what are your thoughts about this kind of TikTok age of music? Like, what are the pros and cons that you see of it? Do you think that there's a real special beauty and art form to these 15 to 30 second snippets that we live off of? Or do you feel as though you've been drawn away from a a full meal, so to speak? So those are my musings from today's episode. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in and for listening and for watching. I hope that you enjoyed this little authentic production of mine and hopefully it keeps on going. If you did like it and you want to support Ragged Oak Music Productions further, please consider becoming a patron. That's on patreon.com slash ragged oak. You get full access to a ton of really cool, insightful pieces of my songwriting process. You get full-length things like this. You get pedal reviews, early access to vinyl, demos, all sorts of stuff. I also do videos on my YouTube channel, which is at Ragged Oak, or I'm on Instagram at Ragged Oak Music. Uh, And for all other inquiries, you can just head to raggedoak.com. Once again, I have been Joshua Mandrala of Ragged Oak. I will be back with our next episode soon to talk about another really awesome record, to drool over some more gear that I love, and to just unnecessarily stamp my curiosity about creativity onto this audio production. This has been episode one of Ragged Sounds.